It's that Carlo. Life is a precious gift. Celebrate it while you can. Goodbye. <laughs>
you know, it's hard to be scared of something you're not taking seriously. Yeah. I feel it would have worked really well if you had a kind of, you know, the sort of idea of monsters who feed on people's fears. Oh, and, that, would, that would be good. And you're aiming to try and, like, you know, the boogeyman bursts out of a cupboard and you show up and cover it in silly string and then it pulls your head clean off um, and that's the end of the campaign. But you could even do a full-on like Monsters Inc. arc where they realise that the laughter is more powerful than the fear. I do like how often our store our like discussions end up with, and now we're doing Monsters Inc. again. <laughs> I don't think it's that frequent to be fair. I mean, it's more frequent than I'd expect conversations to end up with do a beat for beat remake of Monsters Inc. <laughs> it's it's a high quality piece of media, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Um, so yeah, do a high qu- do a beat for beat remake of Monsters Inc. Except everyone's. What if we combined the the two concepts from the beginning, and it's basically so you're a clown. Oh yeah. And therefore are terrifying, and you use your terrible clown powers to defeat the other lesser monsters. Like, you've got your little squirty flower on your lapel is full of holy water. Hmm. Your pythons are silver. That's the only two I can think of right now. <laughs> I just I just imagined, like, you know the scene at the start of The Exorcist? Just that, but it's just squeaky clown shoes and door opens. There's just a clown stood there. I think... Yeah, like, you know, you're just like, yeah, there's only one person who can deal with this. And then it just cuts to someone riding along on a really tiny little tricycle honking their nose. (laughs) If nothing else, it would confuse the demons. Yeah. And that's got to be at least half points. Can you have a squirty flower that fires wooden? Probably not. I believe in, I believe in the clowns. I mean, I guess it depends how supernatural you're willing for your game to go. Hmm. Like, this can be a new, like, hunter conspiracy, and all of the gifts, all of the endowments they give their um, hunters are things like steak flowers and big, like, rubber mallets that just banish things into the shadow realm. Like, a demon shows up, you donk it with a mallet, and it just punches right through the veil between worlds and back into hell. Oh, you could definitely hide monster hunting supplies in the giant shoes as well. Yeah. You've got all that toe space that you're not using. Why not use it for storage? Just take your shoes off and shake silver and salt onto people. (laughs) And I'm just imagining, like, twisting a shoe like a salt grinder. Yeah. You know, we've come with the perfect hunt. And, you know, no one suspects clowns except for the fact that they do. And Well, you suspect them, but not of being on, on the right side. Yeah, you suspect the clowns of being evil, and that's when it surprises you when they, you know, whip out a cold iron custard pie and throw it at the evil thing. <laughs> a cold iron custard pie? It, I'll be honest, it's not very edible, but... But it does the job. The, the plot thing is that you mix it up with the standard custard pie and bring someone in an act, and now you need to clear your name. You're suggesting some kind of, like, pie Russian roulette? Yeah. Um, 
that's how clowns do it. Like one out of six pies is just made of stone and they just throw it at the person. It adds a sense of excitement. I'm now just imagining like Dirty Harry as a clown. <laughs> Did I throw six pies or only five? <laughs> All the excitement. I forgot to count. Just a dark, gringy, gringy room and like just clowns sat around a table with custard pies in front of them. And they just each take turns to slowly and nervously pick one up and throw it into their own face. <laughs> this could be one of the set pieces in our clown adventures. Okay, so we've got Dirty Harry and Deer Hunter clown mm. versions absolutely nailed. Yeah. I'm noticing these are not films about hunting monsters. I mean, they could be. I mean, I guess Dirty Harry is depending on how you define monster. Like, the thing is, any movie could be set in the world, any movie set in the modern real world could be set in a world of darkness and, you know, the characters just don't know it because most people don't know the supernatural. So any any movie, the protagonist could become a monster hunter in the world of darkness. It's just not relevant to the plot. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you watch Legally Blonde, uh, if you pan to the right in several shots, there is a vampire eating someone. Like, that's a f- I think that, like, yeah, because when it comes to, like, you know, oh, people discover the supernatural, it's almost always, like, cool people. But I think there needs to be more, like, you know, a clown, a cashier, some kind of pigeon farmer, and just a random dude with a car all discovered at Vampire's Arena and have to go take down Dracula. I have to ask, when you say pigeon farmer... Yeah. Do you mean a person that farms pigeons or a pigeon that is a farmer? Um, I'm going to say both, a pigeon that farms pigeons. That seems unethical. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's inherently more unethical than a human farm. I'm going with yes. Like you know, it 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 was pigeon farmed itself, but then it realized then it learned the tools of the trade and it escaped and it set up its own pigeon farm. So what you're saying is, it's using the tools of the oppressor against its own kind instead of rising up. No, it's using. Doesn't that make it the least ethical of all? It's using its own pigeon farm to get enough money to buy out the original pigeon farm it escaped from and throw the, that pigeon farmer out on the street. It's doing economic warfare against the oppressor. Uh, it's playing the long game. Yeah. Pigeons are notorious for their um, long attention span and patience. Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread oh, and no. Thread podcast with Question. Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are, I don't know. So our first question is anonymous. How would a race of antlers or large horns wear a hood? It's 5am and I haven't gone to bed yet. Two hoods, one for each antler. Just put a, like, sack over their head. See, I do like this question, 
Because oftentimes you get it represented as just like a hole in the hood for it to go through. Yeah. But antlers are a lot bigger at like at the midpoint and at the end than they are. Yeah. Like, and like how do you how do you get the whole antler through that tiny hole that's just the size of Yeah, like it would work it might work for like, you know, a fairly fairly straight horn, like a bull kind of horn. But I don't see how it would work with antlers. Maybe their antlers are retractable. That's a slightly horrifying concept. Like they just they just slurped them into their heads. They slurp them? Yeah. Or maybe you put the hood on and you put cut the holes in it. And that's like, you know, as a child. And then the antlers just grow through it. So they just never take the hood off? No, it makes them look mysterious. That's going to smell so bad. I mean, you know, don't, don't, judge the, don't judge their culture. I'm going to, because there are probably several bacterial cultures in their hoodie. One thing that I think could actually work mm-hmm. is rather than it being a hole, it's like a little slit. So you put yeah. the hood up, you sort of slot the slot it into place around the antlers, and then you have a little button that you do up to hold it in place, which also solves the problem of the wind blowing your hood down. Yeah, that probably makes more sense. Maybe adorable. the antlers are part of the hood. Oh, they don't have antlers at all? No. Or maybe the hood's part of the antlers. Explain. Like, it looks like they're wearing a hood, but no, that's just an extra bit of skin that comes off the antlers. Oh, no. Like I feel like at that point you're not wearing a hood. You just have a membrane. Yeah, I mean, you know, is a hood not just an artificial membrane? I mean, it is, but it, the key part here is that it's removable and can be put back very easily. It's not you how know. skin works. Maybe that's how their skin works. You can just take it off and put it back on. This makes me sad. But yes, the probable actual answer is slits that the antlers can go through. The cool answer is that these these species have removable skin, removable and reattachable skin. Like, when you marry, you swap skin. No! Is how you show the depth of your commitment. Why, why would you do this? You swapped skin with editor Nick yet? I refuse to answer this question. Also, you could also just get a really, really big hood so you can hook it onto your antlers. That is also I possible. Consider this option. Yeah, like that's the other obvious one. I guess you know I think it might look silly, but I guess it would only look silly by our standard. You could, I guess, have some kind of veil thing so it's still like protecting your face if it's bigger up. That's a good point, actually. Like. I feel like the best design does depend on what the hood is for. Mm. Like, if it's there to hide your face, you definitely don't want the big hood option, because then you're going to have a very large opening. Mm. It would actually be really inconvenient in the wind. Yeah. Okay, what would solve a lot of the purposes of hoods, I think, is if you had something that you could kind of pass between them, Mm. and then down the front, and then, like, zip up at the sides. Yeah. Which is also the most ridiculous looking option. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's annoying. Like, it seems to be a conflict between. It has, like, sock things on the top that are shaped like the antlers. So when you put it on, they're just covered in, like, fabric. I feel like this does come back to the problem of it being quite difficult to actually put them on. Yeah, but, you know, that's just going to be an issue when you have antlers. 
That is true. Unless they're retractable. Yeah, I feel I feel like we've like the options there's a spectrum, I think, from mm. just a big hood just right the way through to many, many fastenings. Mm. Like I think the issue is you're going to look silly anyway. I don't know why I'm assuming this is if Anon is an antlered creature trying to wear a hood, but I'm going to assume that's what's happening. Uh, you're going to that's look silly anyway. That's why they haven't anyway. gone to bed yet. They're trying to work out how to wear a hood. So, you know, you might as well embrace it. And if anyone, like, you know, laughs at you, Gordon with your antlers. You know what? That's good advice. So the second question is also anonymous. How would you create mechanics to Ratatouille a character? No mechanics, just at any random point your character might be Ratatouille. See, I, I feel like they're probably asking so that they can, like, play the character doing the ratatouilleing. Hmm. So I feel like, like if you just have an NPC ratatouille your character, then your character is no longer your character. Like, I guess it would have to be. So my actual answer, you have, you, you start up a rat, and then you give the rat the ability to, like, cast magic jar or some equivalent spell. On people whose heads it's on. So it can take control of their body. Or just has the ability to cast dominate person. But like at touch range and indefinite. And maybe just... See, I still feel like this isn't in the spirit of Ratatouille. Because they're very much working together. It's not... Yeah. Remy isn't dominating Linguini. Disagree. He's using his skills... To help Linguini to do things. Okay, in that case, you played a human, um, but your but your skills are dependent on the rat. So if you lose the rat, you lose all of the skills on your. Could you potentially have more than one rat, and you can swap them out as as circumstances? Okay, so an idea: okay. level ups of rats. <laughs> each time you get another level, like you get another rat that knows more about thieving or magic or cleric skills sitting on your head. So Linguini's only a level one character, so he's only got one rat. Okay. Uh, but a level 20 Linguini would have like 20 rats all on his head. So that's more like... like towards the end of the film when there's loads of rats doing lots of kitchen. Exactly, stuff. yeah. Like, humans can't actually get character classes, rats can. But the rats are really small and they have tiny little rat hands, so they can't utilise their abilities as best they can. So they form symbiotic relationships with humans. And as the human does more exciting things, like, you know, fighting monsters, the story of them spreads through the rat community. And so the rats are like, cool, that person sounds cool, I'm going to go join up with them. Uh, and that's why um, combat and puzzle solving and so forth get you XP. I like that. Uh, the reason that, like, draining spells remove XP is because they kill the rats. Oh, no. Oh, no, you made it sad. Um, and when you cast, like, a restore energy spell, it brings the rat back. I feel like considering some of those only last until you take a long rest, maybe they don't kill the rat. They just, like, knock it out. Yeah, the rat just has a little... This does, like, in earlier editions of the game, you had to spend XP to make magic items, and this does put that in a dark... Um... <laughs> to create a magic item, you have to sacrifice a rat. The the core, like, thing for all, like, magic swords is blended rat. Why does it have to be blended? 
Could you not just use the bones? I feel like I was thinking you pour it into the molten metal, but I don't know if that would make the metal. I think that would just create a layer of burned rat. <laughs> That's how you can tell an item's magic. It has a layer of burned rat on it. I guess the alternate this thing... This isn't very crispy. You lied to me. <laughs> I guess the alternate idea is you take a rat off and you put the rat on the item and now it ratatouilles the item. And that's why it's magical. I mean, are we not all ratatouilleing items? That's true. I'm ratatouilleing a laptop as we speak. I just, I just love like because you got the deck of many things and it like you know gives you an extra level up. So you just pull it out and a rat jumps out of the card and lands on your head. The deck actually does belong to the rat. Hmm. The deck of many rats. This is why so many rats. Yeah. This is why so many adventurers wear huds or crowns or that kind of thing to keep the rats in. I am now just picturing a bunch of rats like inside a crown like it's prison bars. <laughs> Bad and naughty rats go in King Jail. Well, as long as they don't then form a rat king within hmm. King Jail. Maybe that's like how why you can't just give your rats to other characters. Because when you reach level two, another rat cuts on your head and then they form a little rat king. And as you, like, level up, you get more and more rats on your head, Rat King. Which means, presumably, that as you become a more powerful character, you need a larger and larger hood to contain the Rat King. Yeah. I feel we have an interesting setting here. Interesting is certainly a word. Like, so are there normal rats, or are all rats XP rats? I think there's probably normal rats as well. Hmm. Either that, or there's multiple tribes of XP rats, and that's why mm. you still get quests that are like, go and kill these rats at lower level. Because they're ones that your one, your level one XP rat has beef with. <laughs> I like, yeah. Go kill these rats because I personally hate them is an interesting twist on that starting adventure. <laughs> I'd play it. Yeah. I want you to go kill 20 rats in the dungeon, specifically these 20 rats. They all bullied me. These 20 rats sent me Anon hate on Instagram. Please go kill them. If you roll a high enough animal handling check, mm. can you convince those 20 rats to join you instead and then you instantly jump to level 20? <laughs> At the start of each round, at the start of each game, you can roll um, an animal handling check and if you succeed, you just level up instantly. There's no way this could be um, broken. Well, we're not called the Probably Good Podcast. Um, so yeah, if you have a question, you can message Probably Bad RPG Ideas on Tumblr, Bad Probably on Twitter, or email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon if you want access to homebrew D&D stuff, homebrew RPGs a Discord server, and bonus episodes. At the moment, our bonus episodes are playing The Quiet Year. So you can come and listen to the adventures of the space station Frank. That's um, patreon.com slash probably bad RP. So thank you for listening. And, and remember, remember to have, to have a probably, probably bad, bad day. day.